Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Oh, in slot, yet another magnificent global exclusive this morning in the paper. How do you do it? I understand, we understand exclusively from the times that Danny Cipriani is going to join Gloucester. Yeah, no, it does get uh, tiring after a while. Uh, week after week, the pressure's on to be ahead of the new head with the news. You might have read on the Telegraph website that Danny Cipriani is going to Gloucester, but they did have it up two hours after us, so it was a nice try. Very good. We're just back from um, uh, Bilbao and the Basque Country. I had a, a glass of Basque cider when I was out there, and you've never tasted anything so horrific. <laughs> and, and ghastly in it, all your life. It certainly you hit what, you Saturday night, though, there, didn't there it? There was stuff in, in that glass that I hate to think what it was. So, Do you think um, Jerome Garces had had a bit of that as well before the game? Welcome to the Ruck, everybody. <laughs> On an auspicious day for Irish... Uh, auspicious weekend for Irish rugby, auspicious season for Irish rugby. And we're going to talk about Irish rugby, but not only that, we can talk about Danny Cipriani, the upcoming uh, semi-finals of both the Pro 14 and the Aviva Premiership. Lots of lovely stuff. And also, for you paying fans, the incredible costs you have to pay and what you actually have to go through to support your team. First of all, let's go straight to our Dublin studio, where we've got Peter O'Reilly, our distinguished Irish rugby correspondent. And today, um, filling... The post of chief gloater, Pete. <laughs> well, no, I, I don't mean that at all, uh, Pete. First of all, you are—I don't know if everybody knows this—a distinguished cricketer, former player for Ireland. Your daughter, likewise, must be a great weekend for you all round because Ireland are playing a, a Test cricket match and, and faring pretty well. Yeah, it was it was some some weekend, Steve. Hi guys, uh, to uh, to go from a from a Champions Cup final in Bilbao featuring an Ireland team to come back to watch. Uh, um, the Irish cricket team play against Pakistan and Malahide in their first ever Test match, and uh, it was a great gathering of, uh, of former Irish players. So I got to see a few people that uh, 
that I hadn't seen for a while. It was a very pleasant day, very pleasant weekend. You've got to, uh, you, this wish, uh, and all the best. It's not easy to come into test cricket, but um, they, they deserve their place. Some years ago, um, in the years of O'Driscoll and O'Connell, it was described as the golden era for Irish rugby. But have we now got a sort of golden, golden era? Because Ireland dominated the Six Nations. Leinster never really looked like... Well, they never looked like losing the final, but they certainly have been the best team in it. I mean, a lot to write about when, even when teams are bad, but you must be really loving the, the possibilities and loving the, the energy of Irish rugby. The success of, of Ireland and, and Leinster, you could say, are, are pretty much linked... Um, it is a bit of a. It seems like a bit of a golden era, but it, well, I suppose it will become one um, if uh, if Leinster push on and continue to win. And looking at some of the quality they've got coming through, you think that they probably would be capable of that. There's a bit of an upstairs downstairs thing going on in Irish rugby, though. You've got Leinster winning all around them. It's only the second team to to win nine out of nine to to, to win the Champions Cup. Um, and Munster, I suppose you could say, uh, did pretty well to get to a semi-final in Europe. That's probably about the the, the, the extent of their reach at the moment, given the, the quality that's available to them. And then you have Ulster having a nightmare season on and off the pitch. And Connacht have just got rid of their coach, uh, Kieran Kane. So there's a, a slightly two-tier aspect to it, which mightn't be that healthy if you have one team as far out in front. Uh, of the others as, as Leinster are Going back to the game um, I see you, you were in a bit of a rush as we all have for deadlines on on Saturday and uh, and for flights etc but uh, just with a bit more sober reflection what's your view of the Leinster performance and how tight the game was? Froze a little bit on it you've got to give credit to, to Rassing for uh, for shutting them down there was no no quick ball at all so it was a very tense sort of nervous occasion I, thought, I don't think it's a final that we're going to look back on with a great bit of pleasure a deal of pleasure in, in in future years it looked like it was going to extra time so immediately you're thinking about check-in times and that sort of thing it was very tense but I thought it was interesting that Leo Cullen who doesn't show a lot of emotion generally uh, I spotted him in tears afterwards uh, just briefly he, he got a bit emotional but he made the point that it was for him it was almost as satisfying as any other win sure. given that they, they'd been forced to win ugly and they showed that they could do that having played some beautiful rugby in the, in, on the way to the final. As Leo Cullen in tears, I think if I'd uh, coached someone <laughs> to the European Championship and someone else had given, got all the credit, I'd be in tears as well. But Owen, <laughs> um, um, who are you talking about, in, Steve? In the Times this morning, at least in the headline, and I think it was really borne out in the copy, you said it was a dis- disappointing game, in, uh, a little bit like Peter, in terms of the lack of sweep and spectacle and tries. There was a lack of tries because there wasn't a try. Um, I it wasn't uh, it wasn't easy on the eye but I thought it was brilliant as a contest and, and finals are often like that I, th- I, th- I thought it was an interesting comment on on rugby in that you, you there you have the the two heavyweights of, of European rugby we have to call them that because they were the two finalists and defences were so good that that no one no one could uh, could break break through them. And I thought I thought it was ironic that Teddy Thomas was trying to do something off the cuff, different at the end to try and win the match. And in fact, it, what what he managed to do was 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 lose the match in the process. I mean, it was an absolutely abysmal decision that he made to try and uh, to r- try and run right around a, a, a group of forwards in a in a line out in, inside his own twenty two. Total madness, but. It, it was a comment on the game. Flair, Flair wasn't wasn't there wasn't much room for Flair on that. That's for sure. Oh, yeah. The, well, the thing about that is, 
for a large part of this season, you look at Leinster's team and try to marshal them with your defence is a bit like trying to herd flies. But in that game, the rush defence from Rassing was so impressive, led by Henry Chavonsi, I mean, offside sometimes, but he had a good uh, game. Led, led by him. And then when he when you're pushing Leinster guys back into the middle of the park and you've got Camille Shah and uh, Good King Wenceslas Laurie waiting there, it was a fantastic defensive display. And I just wanted to give a shout out to Yannick Nyanga, who uh, said after the game that he will be retiring from rugby at the end of this season. What a servant to French rugby he's been. And, you know, he deserved a spectacle, but actually the way he played um, meant that Leinster never really could could get out of the shackles. I, I, I think I'd, I tend towards Alan. Also, I, I probably disagree. I mean, I thought of its of its type, it was one of the great finals. It was unbelievably compelling, and in a great stadium, it, it had the authenticity of a final. Uh, most World Rugby uh, World Cup finals and football finals are, are not actually ever that brilliant, but I just thought it was terrific. I mean, I, I know that. Journalists are always interviewing two people they met in a pub, and then they 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 take their opinion as gospel. But the staff in our hotel went down almost on block. That was probably why the service was so crap there. But they they uh, they absolutely lo- loved it, and um, agree I agree with Al. I mean, I thought Vakatawa defended magnificently, and what was, there was a delight for me in seeing Sexton and all his armory being shut down, shut down, shut down. But did he stop trying to create? No, he didn't. He kept on going. And I loved it. I thought it was an epic final of it of its kind, Peter. You say that they kept trying to create. I, I thought he tried to tap and go just before half-time. That, that obviously backfired. I thought when he went for the... When Sexton went for the long-range penalty 10 minutes into the second half, rather than kick into the 22... That seemed felt to me like almost a, an admission that this is a game that's going to be won by penalties because it was almost a, a, a tip of the cap to, uh, to Rassing's defence and an acknowledgement that Leinster were finding it difficult. We have to make the point for those who watched on television that it was very wet there, it was very slippy uh, and that did play into the hands of the defences uh, and put them on top. And while I, you can admire the defence and you can admire rassing in terms of their tenacity and they disproved all that stuff about French teams not being fit or, or having the you know the the, the guts to, to go 80 um, I think to have a to have a, a, a you know a really classic final I think you need to have a bit of a balance between attack and defence but defence can't dominate completely and that's why I don't think we will look back on it as a as a great occasion. Oh, in um, occasion-wise, how did you rate it? Let's leave aside for a moment the difficulties and the cost of getting there. Occasion-wise, I thought it was great. The stadium was was magnificent. Those high-steepled stands, uh, packed out for the final. Uh, lots of lots of colours from the two different teams. Brilliant. I, I did sit there thinking it was a bit quiet at times. You get more noise from Leinster when you um, uh, when you watch the it, both the uh, both the games. Um, uh, the quarterfinal and semi-final seemed to be rowdier. It didn't didn't really see it feel very rowdy, and yet, as you say, both teams were in it right until the the final second. Al, uh, the, one of the other things was, and this is definite, and it was proved by um, you know by online uh, applications. There were loads of Spaniards there, but actually, you know, heroically, Leinster and and Racing fans came along in decent numbers, but didn't actually swamp the stadium. Now, are we getting into the stage now where? The game is being seriously affected by the the huge, avaricious markup in hotel and airline prices. And certainly, finals and major events in rugby are falling into the trap of becoming events for rugby tourists rather than diehard fans of certain clubs. It comes down to 
I think a lot of the time it comes down to the haves and the have-nots. Can you afford to follow your team through Europe? I mean, Pete can talk to this in greater detail about the fact that I remember saying this on social media over the weekend is, can you imagine forking out the astronomical fees that you have to pay for hotels for a major event, buying a ticket for the event itself, turning up to get your flight and then being told that it's overbooked because greedy airlines have just gone, well, Pete, we get as many were people you in. not on that flight where, where they were, people were told to get off, it was overbooked? I was, yeah. It was, it was, it was kind of, it was entertaining. If it wasn't so sad, they started offering. I think they started the bidding at two hundred and fifty euro for anybody who would give up their seat because Aer Lingus had overbooked to the, the mm. flight. Uh, do you put your hand up at that stage, or did you wait for a better offer? I heard a Leinster fan saying that you know maybe if there were Munster fans there, they might have taken the, the cash. <laughs> but uh, some of those people had paid seven or eight hundred euro for a, a day trip. For, I mean, just for the flight which is ridiculous and obviously what happens is EPCR invite tenders you know to be the host city and then tourist boards obviously pay EPCR for the right to host so uh, there's a dangerous game that, that the EPCR are playing there because they're that they're risking alienating rugby fans Is it yeah. not true Peter and lads that actually wherever you go now for big rugby be it Six Nations even Lions Tours uh, and the latter stages that everywhere you go you suddenly got of times four increase in hotels and, uh, and whatnot and it's something that we in our ivory towers have got to address I spoke to loads and loads of fans there's another group of fans now that go to the final every year even if their team's in it or not absolutely loved it but there's a real um, sort of look in their eye where they say god this has cost me as much as a holiday Al do you think we have to address it I mean you cannot stop you can't say, right, Bilbao, you've got the semi-final, or you've got the final, but sorry, you can't change hotel prices because the hotels have nothing to do with the organisers. I mean, we've spoken about this before on the podcast about how part of the tender process for the Rugby World Cup, people were promising that they'd spoken to uh, hoteliers about fixing prices so that they weren't weren't screwing the pooch on that one. <clears throat> Maybe it's time to start getting people, if you're going to put a tender in, you've got to make sure that it's actually affordable for folk. I mean, uh, we were talking, mm. talking off-air before we came on here about... Uh, the final in Newcastle, you know St James Park uh, next year, a fantastic venue. Great to see rugby in the the north of England. Um, hotel prices already spiralling for that, mm. and it, it, it's insane. And at some point, you've got to say, look, can we make it sure so that actually someone who's a diehard fan who's not completely minted gets a chance to go and watch some rugby? Oh, oh, in um, uh, you could always have these matches in say Dublin, Cardiff, Twickenham. Where you can, people are used to travelling and can get there in one in one flight, but where would be the promotional value of that? And the promotional value to Spanish rugby, the rising force was was excellent. Should they carry on taking the tournament out in the boat, Owen? Absolutely, without a doubt. But you just have to. You you. I, I thought it was a. a a whopping success and a crashing failure at both at the same time because to to take it to a new place was brilliant and I, they they have to carry on that but they picked a city that was hard to get to where that where it wasn't a, a huge city so so accommodation was hard they they did the smart thing but they also they made it really hard for the punters and in many ways you, you know there are lots of Leinster fans there but thank goodness they had a home quarter final a home semi final so they could save up their money Peter where would you be looking to take it do you do you, do you support the basic um 
concept yeah. or do you want to go back to the old guard nations? But what about all three rounds, well, three knockout rounds in your home turf next time, Pete? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think well, if, if you want to go to a new, a new country, you want to go to Barcelona then, you've got a city then that can... Agreed completely. That seems to me ideal. Are we going to take it round or do you want it all in uh, in the ground you can walk to? No, I think Dundee is probably the best place. That's right. Right. I agree <laughs> with that. Time. Look, you've got the open this year, don't be greedy. Pete, uh, just ask us one more question. All eyes now turn to the possibility of a double or indeed... Rather, can anyone stop Len- uh, Leinster? How do you see the game on the weekend and how do you see the rest of the Pro 14? Leinster have actually never won a, a European Pro 12 or Pro 14 double. Uh, certainly, I know in, in 2013 they won the Challenge Cup and the, the Pro 12, but they've never done the, uh, a proper double. And in 2011, after that comeback final against uh, Northampton, they went down to Limerick for the final of the Pro 12, as it was then, the following week, and Munster turned them over. And... They're going to be physically drained, emotionally drained as well. So it's a, it's a good test for Leo Cullen. Uh, he does have depth. He can bring in guys like Jack McGrath, uh, Reese Ruddock. Glad it's in the Aviva. We wouldn't like you to have to go to a game you couldn't walk, walk to. Um, but um, just, just ask you one more thing before we, uh, we let Peter go. Um, is this the greatest season in, in Irish rugby history or at least the greatest one that you've reported? 2009... There was a there was a Leinster uh, Heineken Cup and the Grand Slam and the Grand Slam in that case you know was uh, the first in sixty one years so that that really did seem momentous at the time but I think if uh, if Leinster can go on and do a double then that would put them in the, the top spot. Peter in Dublin, th- thanks a million. Enjoy and catch up soon. Al, this Friday we've got another semi final, big one for both clubs. We've got we've got Glasgow playing the Scarlets two teams desperate for glory huge game how do you see it and what's the keys well I think a lot of people would actually see this as an audition to see who replaces uh, Warren Gatland as head coach of Wales we've got Dave Rennie versus Wayne Pivak who uh, a lot of people are saying are the front runners although Pivak seems to have his nose in front uh, with his experiences at the Scarlets it's a, di- it's a difficult one to call actually I've spoken to some people who say this is a genuine 50-50 you can flip a coin because Glasgow have been fantastic at home uh, they've they've beaten Leinster there I mean they actually haven't lost to Leinster in the league this season um, they've got some big big results there but last time they faced the Scarlets Scarlets romped ahead 26-8 to win that one and in fact the key for that game was Finn Russell went off at half time he must have had the circus theme playing in his head he just did not seem at the races all day Glasgow have played some phenomenal rugby this season but we know that Scarlets are capable of pulling it out of the bag it'll be a fantastic occasion I think the the good thing for a lot of people is that I mean it's a you can put quotation marks around this they both play rugby in the, the right kind of way the way that people mm. like to see so certainly you'd imagine it should be entertaining It you know it'll be a fast ground as well because of the artificial turf uh, in Glasgow it should be fun but a lot so much of it depends on whether or not that um, Scarlet's pack who dominated Glasgow in that game that they won 26-8 whether they get top on Glasgow because Glasgow can be out-muscled that is the key to beating them I think it, that could be very very tight and as I say very very significant but uh, even though you would I'll probably say that uh, you'd go in second favourites in the final whoever wins it Absolutely I mean Leinster on, although what Pete neglected to, to mention there was that uh, Leinster did lose a final at the weekend the British and Irish Cup the Leinster, Leinster lost to Ealing we, Trailfinders We who, should pay tribute to Ealing Trailfinders absolutely fantastic Good and good for them. Good, yeah, good on, good on. Them. Absolutely, but you know, a double—it's well within the capabilities of this Leinster team. And playing at the Aviva, we've seen time and again this season. Um, 
in knockout rugby, they are just superb when they play in front of that crowd. I'd well, say, well, I didn't know that that final was in the Aviva. I mean, Christmas. What <laughs> it's a bit preposterous, this, isn't it? Know, we not it's... make it a bit harder for them? Well, well it's, the final will be at Celtic Park uh, the season year. after, which is, which is uh, as we were mentioning, taking it to, to different places. It's a, it's a new stadium. Yes, what? it's in Glasgow where we've seen Glasgow play, but it's, it's a big new venue. So it's you know continuing that theme. If they continue God, the, the theme of Lancelot being home, if I was Celtic, I'd enter it myself next year. Visit Celtic Park; they're bound to make the final. Oh, and let's go down to uh, some of the ma- minor rugby countries now. It's the um, Aviva <laughs> Premiership semi-finals this week. Two crackers: um, Saracens, Wasps, and uh, Exeter, and Newcastle. And the the attention switches back to Saracens in a way. First of all, Saris Wasps. Um, Massive game for Wasps in that this sort of slight soft underbelly that they have could come to the fore. But how, how do you see that one? Well, I, th- I think the Saracens thing is interesting. Just coming off what we're talking about, Leinster, and the the theme from the from from Europe was it, the way it's been reported a, um, a, a lot is uh, this is a te- this is not the culmination. It's a team that's going places. Could be one of the great dynasties, etc. They're going to it's just going to get better and better. And I was thinking. That is what we all said about Saracens last year and the year before. I mean, it just proves that you can have one great season, but just because you've got a few kids who are going to be better in three or four years' time, it, don't, it doesn't mean that it's just that you are just on a roll that can't be stopped. I mean, I totally agree. Just, just as an interpolation there, I still think the the feat of Toulon to win it three years running was well, just unbelievably almost beyond yeah. words. Yeah, that is dynasty. To be fair, d- 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 is that dynasty or dynasty? D- Depends where you're from, regionally. Well, they used to call it Dynasty when John Collins was in it. And uh, who's that? Linda Evans. She's quite nice you're speaking as well. to me like I know. Oh, no, I used <laughs> to Linda watch all Evans. that. Like, yeah, she used to wear these uh, big shoulder pads and everything. And that was a bloke's. Was she not in Dallas? She was no, no. She was in Dynasty. Oh, give, oh that was no, a that dreadful Linda, error. Lind, that was Linda Gray was in Linda um, Gray Dallas. was in Dallas. Sorry, yeah. um, Alex, editor, can you edit out that error? Because people are just no. No. know nothing. No, no, you don't. Well, you don't know a lot about the old soaps. What about Falcon Crest? Do you remember that you used to watch that? Yeah, Newcastle Falcon Crest. That's brilliant. One, yeah, that's brilliant. The one. Starring Dean, Dean, Dean Richardson. Starring Dean Richards and Johnny Wilkinson. <laughs> um, <laughs> Saracens, possibly with Billy back, um, must be favourites though. Com- completely for, for me they've got a lot of their best players back um, they, yeah. they've sort of been coming in sort of week after week haven't they Michael Rhodes came back Billy came back for a week said hi and then got injured again yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, they seem to they seem they well they're brilliant at peaking in May we've seen that uh, in successive years and as you say uh, Wasps delicious team to watch but they're defensively pretty uh, pretty average and I, and I, I just wonder we'll talk about uh, Haskell and Cipriani in, in a minute, but um, that they they've got two of their big senior men backing out, so that that might do something. That might do a lot for them. Or it might do the opposite. Oh, yeah. I think the the greatest concern for Wasps is if you look at the recent record of Saracens, if you look at what's the, what they've done throughout April, they have stacked up games where in the second half they have not conceded a single point and poured on points themselves. That if you're die young, that is exactly what you're looking at and saying, right, that's flashing danger signs there. We'd Who's be- Blake Carrington playing for this weekend? Blake Carrington had blue hair, you know. I know. He's supposed to be grey, but it was blue. He had a blue rinse. I think you look good that. Try the blue rinse. I, I've got the grey rinse at the moment. <laughs> Se- second semi-final, Al, Newcastle. We keep on saying, well, they'll never win that, they'll never win that. This week, you think they'll never win that. Well, absolutely. And they've they've really thumbed their nose at a lot of people this year. Yeah. And I think 
the thing that's impressed most people is their firepower. They they can hang in games, which is fantastic, and then they've got these incredible attacking weapons out wide. But that's not the way that Exeter Chiefs play rugby. They choke you to death by holding on to that ball and saying you ain't getting anywhere near this for as long as possible. They've you know if anything this is this is the the biggest uphill climb they've had all season. Now it would be a fantastic narrative, but in my head I can just see Exeter Chiefs doing what they've done all year. Hmm. Well, you're that thumbing your nose thing. I've never used that expression before. Should we use it more on this programme? Thumbing your nose? Yeah, that's what you said. Al, so, yeah. Al said that Newcastle have been thumbing their nose at everyone. Well, no, yeah. but I, I get what you're saying, but I think we need more of that. Yeah, more thumbing. Yeah. Okay. Thanks for that, Al. Okay. <laughs> you're welcome. I can't miss my nose if I try and thumb it, that's for sure. I can't miss your feet. What do you mean? Well, you're just not going back to Shoegate, are we? Well, you've just got legendary feet. I know. Even when you keep your shoes. I know. So I know. this is an this is an in joke for those who were still listening from the Lions tour decades ago. Uh, Al, um, <laughs> right. <laughs> Danny Cipriani's in the news, especially if you read the Times. Or he was first in the news. Um, it's, it's a bit like the Marmite Man. Um, people say he doesn't fit in, and he's not a team man, uh, and people treat him. Uh, talk about the old days of his behaviour as if he was a mass murderer. I'm afraid I don't buy any of that. Um, recently, uh, the game is full of bash, 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 round the corner, round the corner, go through 50 phases and try and get a penalty goal. Recently, the last time Danny came out for Wasp, I think they scored four tries from the first phase with pure brilliance from the Wasp back division. I think Gloucester have got an absolute gem and I think he is exactly what they need because with Danny Cipriani, you cannot have a bunch of blunderers outside him. Now, they've got Billy Twelvetrees, who's playing out of his skin. Henry Trinder on the wing is um, a ridiculous omission for the England party. I think Danny, it's not the most glamorous club, Gloucester. Sorry, Gloucester, but you can always go to Cheltenham for a night out. But um, I think it's a great signing. I think he's a great player. Owen? Struggle to disagree with much of what you said, but you, but you have you have to ask... You're, you're suggesting that, that, that this confusion this dislike you this marmite thing etc is all is a fabrication but but i'm sorry steve it isn't i mean i'm not talking about when he got in the papers 27 years ago because he got pissed when he was 13 or whatever i mean that's not what we're talking about at all the, the question is why if he's the best attacking 10 in europe which arguably he is i don't dispute that then why was letting him go uh, similar question he's been on the market since about October, Wasp knew that he was going and his agent was put, putting around, why did no one pick him up? There's a reason for that. It's because he's bloody hard to work with. He's, he, is, he is the ultimate individualist in a team. If you speak to people at the clubs that he's played at, then the, the evidence is bountiful. And, and, and I, don't, I don't think he, he means to be a pain in the butt, but, but people find him hard to work with. And that is categorical. Well, I've not spoken to anyone who said anything other then he, 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 he's, a, he's great to have in the club. So we must have spoken to different... We'll, we'll share numbers afterwards. We must have spoken to different people. Yeah. This thing, he's not a team man. What is, what is anything more of a team man than being so outstanding as an attacking player that you put player after player after player in for scores and make them look good? Well, I can understand why Gloucester want him, firstly. Because uh, if you look at the way that they've played with, with their new um, head coach, Ackerman, uh, this season... Ackerman made no excuses about the fact, and he's spoken to the squad about this, um, is that 
They will attack from anywhere, much like he did with the Lions in Super Rugby. They will have a go from anywhere. And to be honest, what Gloucester have struggled for for large parts of this season, and you know, we saw saw elements of it in that Challenge Cup final, is a shepherd. They need someone that, to take a game by the reins and go, we're going to put the ball there, it's going to go there, I'm going to have a go and do that. It might not always be the right thing, but they needed conviction. They've, you met, you, you've name-dropped Billy Twelfties there, and I'm a big fan of Billy Twelfties and what he can do, but he can drift out of games, particularly in those moments where you say he's got to take it by the reins. If anything else, it might blow up in people's faces, but at least you know that Cipriani's going to back himself. Uh, uh, well, I agree, and, and also... Um I think that uh, I understand that Gloucester have said, instead of you having to fit in with us, everybody says you've got to fit in, we'll fit in with you. And that is exactly what, exactly what they should do. Well, that, um, I mean, that's almost the point. Is he's going there. He's not, he's not going to fight for his place. He's going to go there expecting to be the number one ten and expecting everything to happen around him. Let's, let's just talk about uh, Owen uh, characters as well, um, which we're very short of. We've all interviewed so many dullards. Um, <laughs> Sh- Sh- Shuck Ritz, James Haskell, Danny Cipriani... Almost uh, departing uh, this year. Uh, Where are the characters? Name one, name two. Where are the characters left in rugby? The pirates, the ruffians, the funny men, the people who can understand that media management is actually is is media banning. You didn't put this on our homework. We'd have we'd have. We'd have sat down and scratched our heads. Um, I no, think, it's heads up podding I, now. I think, <laughs> Jesus, we've never done that before. <laughs> I think uh, as a generalisation, you're right. But, but we, of course, it, of course it's, it doesn't work across the board. Um, OK, a, a name, Jack Now. We, we could play word association. We're just uh, wrapping, wrapping up now. Um, first of all, Al, we should pay tribute to... Um, Cardiff after an excellent final win against Gloucester, Gloucester well up, um, and but tribute to Cardiff, uh, not win anything for ages, played fast rugby, bold, passionate, good effort. Absolutely, and the cojones on Anscombe, you've got to you've got to admire that. I mean, he to be fair again, uh, we we talk about people taking games by the scruff of the necks. He he played an adventurous or tried to play an adventurous style for large parts of that game. He's He's clearly a talented guy, and it seems like finally he's had something break for him. Um, you know, fantastic for him to get that moment at the at the end of the game. And Danny Wilson departing for that. And actually, the other guy you want to give a nod to is Tau Felice. Mm-hmm. Just unbelievable! What a career he's had into his forties, playing games games like that. I mean, you talk about great characters. He might not be an outgoing fella, but what a servant to sure. rugby he has he has been. That's. Isn't it just such well a, remembered? Sorry, well remembered. Isn't it just such a shame that, that Cardiff are finally um, they've underperformed. They've not been the some of their some of their players for for a long time. They finally seem to be getting some sort of decent momentum together. And the man you mentioned, Danny Wilson, is leaving. I mean, yeah. it, it's it's just nonsense. It's crazy. And the guy who's coming in, no one's ever heard of. With great respect to him. <laughs> is that Scott Wisemantle? No, it's um, some other bloke. Anyway, just, just I'm not going to ask you both the hardest question that we've ever been asked on the podcast, lads, because we've given everything a really good airing. We're now going to finally say Eddie Jones's squad for South Africa. Uh, Owen, just very, very briefly, s- sum up what on earth that lot is. Can, can we have some of that bass cider before we do this? <laughs> Sum it up. You can't sum it up. Uh, so, so I wrote um, a long piece about it on, uh, on in the Friday paper, and then all weekend I kept on thinking, "Oh shit, I forgot to mention that." <laughs> oh, what? What about that? That doesn't make sense. I mean, it, it's it's um, it, there's so much in there. My, my overriding thoughts were 
Um, he hasn't rested enough players. He should have rested more players. Uh, and then I was thinking, why hasn't he included X, Y, and Z? I mean, Armand is 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 the case in point. Dave Atwood, one of your one of your brothers, Steve. I know you mm-hmm. love him, but I I I just cannot get why he wouldn't be in there. I mean, just doesn't make sense. Uh, and then I was just looking today at um, uh, Mark Wilson appearing there. Great, brilliant, but what? But why, when he was a success in Argentina, did he vanish and come back again? Uh, so, so uh, baffled, excited by some of it. You know, delighted that that Dan Robson, I've been um, suggesting for ages, should be in there. Is in there. Cipriani is going to be really exciting. Uh, one of these kids, hopefully, one of them will be really good. So, yeah, yeah, great. But as as a whole, does it make sense? No. Does, is that a summary or is that just... No, that's fine. It doesn't make any sense to me. Seen every person in there has been selected on a different principle. Al, make some sense out of it for us. Well, good luck. Well, yeah. It, it, well, what, it's, what it reads like, actually, is he's gone, I'm going to pick a team that's going to be left field and a bit of experimentation. Oh, but hold on. What if, what if we've got a chance to win it? Maybe I should have X, Y, Z in there just in case we have a chance to win it. The thing that blows my mind still is that, you, great, he's finally brought in Robson. Fantastic. And he's got a number of scrum halves that you can play with there. Ben Spencer's also in the mix. But then you go, why has he still only got two hookers? What happens if one of them gets injured? Someone's going to have to fly in from somewhere. This is structurally, it doesn't make any sense to me. And you look at these young, you look at the young people, the kids he's brought in or the young cat players he's brought in, like Dan Robson, for instance, you go, well... What, this should have happened a year ago. I mean, that's that's the point. However, what I will say is, and there are excitement elements of this, and I'll tell you what, people in South Africa, looking at this squad, there's enough in here for people in South Africa to say, well, thank God that they're bringing a, a decent squad up to play against us and have some good test footy, because they're not very impressed with the team that Wales have got that will be playing against them in the US. So they're some. what I will say is that there are people in South Africa that are saying, yeah, this could be good fun. The concept of fun hasn't entered my head on that one yet, but yeah. thank you. Uh, Peter O'Reilly in Dublin. Thanks, Al, in the studio here and Owen, too. Stick with us till the end of the season. Bitter end or the sweet end, we don't know. Also, this time, we should uh, think of all those uh, retiring at the end of the season. And also, it's been a big season for injuries. We should just uh, wish a a big comeback and good rehab to everyone who's injured. And uh, on a personal note to Ivo Slot, who's recently had a big operation, very promising halfback. I vote, don't mope around there, get out and do your rehab. Message from Dad. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you.